Well, welcome everybody, and is it ever nice to have Sunday Night Church. Thanks for joining us in what I think is one of the most important series that we've ever studied together. Repentance. Wanting to is good. Knowing how is even better. This is part four. And last Sunday night, we started on this title, Obstacles to Repentance in Religious People. And tonight, we're continuing with that. I said there were three points last Sunday night. We looked at one, and then I said we'd look at the other two tonight. The text is Luke chapter 3, verses 3 to 9. I hope you have a Bible. And he, that's John the Baptist, went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, that's John the Baptist, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, and every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways. We'll look at all those terms just later on in the series. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. It'll be for the whole world. This is not a parochial religion here. Verse 7. He said to the crowds, that's John, that came out to be baptized him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. That's what we're going to hit on tonight. The axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit. So in verse 8, John says, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And now the warning, every tree that does not bear good fruit, verse 9, is cut down and thrown into the fire. And last Sunday night, I made the observation that when you look at Matthew's account of the same incident from the, the ministry of John the Baptist, Matthew makes it clear that it's when the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, it's when they came specifically to John the Baptist to be baptized, that's when John said, you brood of vipers. In other words, those words, you brood of vipers, you generation of vipers, those words were directed to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders. So, Obstacles to repentance in religious people. That's what we're looking at tonight. Obstacle number one was they came and, and, and they wanted the appearance of being baptized along with everyone else, but they never did want to deal with their sins. All the other people, the tax collectors came. What do we have to do? Uh, the soldiers came. What do we have to do? The Pharisees, they don't even ask that question. They're not interested in what do we have to do to bear fruits with this outward act, this baptism of repentance. What kind of repenting do we have to do? They don't even ask that because they're not interested in that. It's just one more religious notch in their belt. They want to look good without repenting. And that was the first obstacle. I said there were two more. We're going to look at that tonight. So point number two 
if you take point number one from last Sunday night. John's caution about growing careless in the discipline of repentance. And what I want to do as in this study tonight is look at the, the warning about that axe head and then a, a positive application of it when you think of genuine repentance. So first there's this, there's this judging, there's this warning side. It's in Luke 3, 9. Even now, and if I was underlining, I'd underline that word now. Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. It, it's that word now. I get it. I mean, John probably, like many of the Old Testament prophets, John doesn't quite fit there, but John probably found it hard to grasp the huge time lag between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. That was probably very hard for him to, to get his head around. But somehow, in some way, he says in that ninth verse, this axe head of judgment, even now. So there was judgment with this first coming of Jesus right now for unrepentant people. There's, there's a kind of judgment that the kingdom would bring right now in this present life on people who didn't take repentance to the degree that the new covenant required. You know, try as you might, it's very hard to twist those words into something less serious than they appear to be. An axe head chopping into the roots. An axe of judgment. John says, John says there's this process. There's this process. It's, it's in action right now. It's in motion right now in many, many lives. John is the forerunner to Jesus, and Isaiah and Jesus himself said that John came to prepare the way for the gospel of grace and light and forgiveness. And central to that ongoing fruitfulness of kingdom grace and mercy that Jesus came to bring, central to that ongoing fruitfulness was, was the maintenance of an ongoingly repentant heart. That's, that's the logic of ongoing repentance, the unfolding fruitfulness of the Holy Spirit in a life. That, that's what we're studying in this series. My sheep hear my voice. They follow me day by day. That's ongoing repentance. And then you get these words, these words about the axe head of judgment. Spoken primarily to the religious experts in the crowd. So of all those being baptized, they could miss the grace, the experience of love and life and find the sternest judgment. John says, John says this axe head of judgment was already biting into their root system. They probably didn't see it. They probably didn't understand what they were doing to themselves. Sin is frequently like that. Unrepentance is frequently like that. But, and so this axe head was coming 
as, as they would not repent, as they would not see the depth of darkness in their heart that needed new kingdom, mercy and grace and forgiveness, as they missed that, John says this axe head was chopping into the roots of their lives. It, it wasn't. It wasn't a loveless act of a vindictive God. God's truth always does, I think, one of two things. It either cuts down in judgment or it prunes in fruitfulness and grace. On that positive side, you see it in John 15, 1 and 2, where, where, where Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, and every branch of mine that does not bear fruit. Remember, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Every, every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he, there's the same cutting, he, he prunes. But it's different, that it may bear more fruit. So, so this cutting acts of repentance, of judgment to the unrepentant, and of, and of pruning life to the repentant. I was listening to these, these words, reading these words, Frederick Dale Bruner's great commentary on Matthew. It's in several volumes, and I, and I like it a lot. And here's his comments. Here's his comments on, on these same verses that we're studying tonight. Bruner writes, John believes that God is a God who judges evil living. All persons are like, trees. Those bearing fruit are pruned. Those not bearing good fruit, the text says, are thrown into the fire and burned. Listen to this. When it has become almost axiomatic in our churches to say that God is love and will not condemn anyone, John stands in sharp contradiction. We need to listen to John. Today we are in grave danger of losing half the biblical freight, the justice, holiness, the moral seriousness of God. When this dimension of holiness and justice of the character of God is lost, the gospel sinks. The love of God turns insipid and the people of God become saltless. He continues, listen. And so, in the very opening pages of the New Covenant, the message of John the Baptist precedes the message and work of Jesus Christ in order to keep Christ's saving grace from being misunderstood as indulgence and his free pardon of sin from being misunderstood as a free license to sin. Everything God does in and for us in Christ is done so that we might be personally righteous. God the judge 
is a God our day desperately needs. Wow. I mean, the call to ongoing repentance, the call to walk in ongoing grace, those are the same call. They're one and the same call. So, so the holy wrath of God against sin is what makes the gospel so necessary and grace so precious and amazing. So by neglecting the words of John the Baptist, we can make the gospel of Jesus a very tame, boring, needless thing. People think they can live without it. I said there were three points. Point number three. A final word. I want to turn to a more positive a positive act here, a final word on how to keep repentance a living experience rather than a dead ritual. I want to look at Hebrews. You'll, you'll see the same imagery here on the positive side. Hebrews 4.12. The writer says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Okay, so John the Baptist, an axe of judgment cutting the roots of the unrepentant. Now, for those who will hear, for who will listen, there's this two-edged sword of the word, carving, pruning, shaping the life in ongoing, genuine repentance. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts, the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Repentance have to... It has to run right into the heart, the depths of the heart. That's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees were missing, and that's why John called them a generation of vipers. So in that Hebrews 4 text, underscore that word living. The, the word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. So, so like that axe head that John described, the, the, the sharp sword of the word is what, is what cuts away at the roots of our lives. It, it, cuts, it cuts below the surface of things, into the heart, the motives, the affections, the desires. It shapes at the deepest level. I mean, other influences touch the surface of our lives, fashion, politics, tastes, even education. But, but the word cuts to the roots with this living edge, the writer says. So, The idea behind the, the living word, it's a living word. The, the idea behind that is it, it, it doesn't just give me information. It cuts into the thoughts and intentions, the, the depths of my being. Word-driven, spirit-directed repentance creates a new way of seeing all of life, a new way of viewing all of life. Paul prays that the eyes of your heart would be open. I'm talking about these eyes. The way, the way you, you feel your way through life, understand life, the things you value. So this living word wants to produce living life, a new kind of life in the heart of Don Horban. Roots. John's words are so stern on the judgment side of things. Roots. Roots, roots uh, they form what we're becoming. Roots shape where we're eternally going. That, that's what roots are all about. The roots of any plant 
or any tree, the roots determine the future of that organism. The, the, everything else that's going to grow, everything that's going to develop, it's all shaped by those roots. And that's where either when I don't deeply repent and it's all surface and religious show, the axe head of judgment comes and, and cuts the roots. My self-driven plans will wither up and die. When the word comes, that two-edged sword, and, and cuts the roots of my old life, the way I used to value things, the things that used to be my ambitions and priorities, when it cuts those things, it reshapes the whole direction of my life. And I want to be one who, boy, rather than being judged and cut down the roots of myself. I want to be pruned and shaped unto greater and greater fruitfulness, faithfulness by the cutting edge of the word, by letting it work deeper and deeper ways in my life. But here's the difference. The pruning of the heart is different from the pruning of a shrub or a bush. The plant is totally passive does nothing. I can go up and prune, shape it any way I want. But the pruning of, of, of the two-edged sword of God's word in my life, I, I'm not passive in that. That requires an ongoing yieldedness. And what we've been seeing in this series is there's a biblical name for that kind of yieldedness to the word. It's called repentance. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Let's pray. These are enormous truths that we're studying. They, they affect everything else about the rest of our lives. They affect the deep entrance of your Holy Spirit into everything that shapes the roots of our beings. And we want at Cedarview Community Church to be growing, growing, growing in deeper, fuller, richer yieldedness, repentance. May it be an ongoing grace. The stubbornness, the unyieldedness of our hearts that just leads to the acts of judgment. Keep us from that road by keeping our hearts tenderly yielding to the two-edged sword that wants to prune and shape our lives for kingdom glory and a joyous walk with Jesus until we see you face to face. Granted, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a great, great book. Sunday nights are precious. Stay with us as we study this subject. God bless you, church. Love one another.